When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Viewer discretion is advised. Your fave will be criticized. That's Chris. That's Shan. And welcome to CCTV, the nonstop pop show. And today we are heading to Pop 101 class and learning about the legendary British girl group, Girls Aloud. If you're wondering who we are, Shan and I have a huge range of experience in the music industry, from performing on stage to working at record labels. So we have a lot of insight into the crazy music industry. And we are now on Patreon at patreon.com slash cctvpops. You should join us there. And also join our awesome crew members, Lisette, Lily, and Emily. Woohoo! Yes! Yeah. Thank you. So, Girls Aloud is the UK's biggest selling girl group of the 21st century. And they have earned their spot as one of the most influential pop groups of all time. So we're finally doing an episode about them. <laughs> it's been requested yeah. since the beginning. Um, and so we're finally getting into it. So before we get the class started, do you like Girls Aloud? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, um, when I was younger, I actually saw them in an old VH1 best of compilation list. I forgot what number they were. But uh, Don't Speak French was on it or Can't Speak French, excuse me, was on it. Uh, but you actually introduced me thoroughly and properly um in 2019 and ever since then i have fallen in love i know a lot of people show me things i don't really fall follow through but i I follow through on this one i'm very very excited to be talking about them and i can go on and on and i will much later but what about you i know this is this is your group right here so (laughs) yeah they're definitely yeah definitely one of my favorite artists of all time and mm-hmm. I think they came out at a very pivotal part of my formative years, right? Like my mm. like early teenage years. So I feel like any artist you get into during that time, they kind of, they're with you for life, you know? Yeah, uh, so totally. yeah. And my obsession <laughs> with British pop music was well underway. And they, yeah, they launched at a time when a lot of my other favorites were starting to break up. Because that whole kind of pop uh landscape at the time was changing a lot so they kind of got all my attention because they really were the only girl group at the time for a while along with the sugar babes for most of it but but yeah so i have flown to london to see them twice and i have also had the pleasure of meeting dean and yeah very excited to talk about them today so we have created playlists for you to follow along on youtube spotify and apple music if you want to listen to the full tracks or watch the music videos the links are in the description let's do this class is in session In the fall of 2002, British channel ITV broadcasted Pop Stars, The Rivals, a reality talent competition show in which two groups would be formed, a girl group and a boy group, and they would compete for the Christmas number one spot. After public auditions and the help of judges Pete Waterman, Louis Walsh, and Ginger Spice herself, Jerry Halliwell, the competitors would have to perform live every week 
and the public voted on the final lineup. So with the members, Nadine Coyle, Cheryl Tweedy, and Sarah Harding making the top 10 girls, and Kimberly Walsh and Nicola Roberts eventually making it in due to the other contestants departing, these five members were voted into the girl group and became Girls Aloud. The competing boy band was one true voice who would eventually have a very short-lived career <clears throat> because of course girls allowed one and got the christmas number one single all right mm-hmm. <laughs> but before we get there let's discuss the competition and the girls' performances mm-hmm. um chris um what were your thoughts about the performances on pop stars Yes. So I didn't watch the show live because obviously it didn't Mm -hmm. air outside of the UK, but I did watch everything after I heard Sound of the Underground. So I kind of knew the group lineup already. So obviously I'm going in with some bias, but obviously Mm -hmm. the right lineup of of girls definitely (laughs) got in there. Um, There was a lot of controversy at the time because Javine Hilton, who was like the sixth contestant, like she made the top six. um, She was kind of the favorite throughout the whole competition from what I understand. And she didn't make it into the group. So there was a lot of controversy about like messed up voting phone numbers and all that kind of thing. Um, But honestly, she was better suited to be a solo act. And, you know, the other girls also went on to form Clea, who are awesome. And I would love to talk about them, too. So if you'd like us to get into that, let us know. But going back to the performances, it's just funny how cheap everything looks and sounds. Um, (laughs) I hate the karaoke tracks that are used, the horrific backing vocals that they make the other girls lip sync along to behind them. Like, the whole thing is just so cheap and sad and cheesy. Um, (laughs) So it's just amazing that this was their start. (laughs) Um, Oh, for sure. But honestly, these five, they were pretty consistent all throughout. I don't think, honestly, Nadine was clearly the best vocalist out of the mm-hmm. five. Um, but Nicola was honestly really impressive the whole time, yeah. too. She was 16. She was yeah. Her pitch was really, really good. And she did mm-hmm. belt a lot, too, yeah. uh, which was something that she didn't end up really doing in the group. So she always stood yeah. out to me as well. But yeah, what did you think of the performances? Oh, my gosh. Mm. Okay, I guess I'm watching because I'm watching it in hindsight, right? In yeah. Retrospective, a literal retrospective of what happened. Ugh. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, it's one of those things where it's like, how do you pick your favorite right now? Like, uh, especially with the uh, independent woman performance, it just it was giving very much like white girl rom com karaoke moment. It was just not cute. And I'm like, how do you pick the stars out of this lineup of females? And it's just like, ugh. but. <laughs> But I will say you could hear the moments of like, oh, Sarah's singing the top harmony here or, oh, there's Nadine singing. Oh, this 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 really like soulful part. She sounds really good. Like you could hear little glimmers of hope there. And yeah, I kind of have it in my notes, too, that Nicola was actually pretty good at singing. But again, she kind of got shoved in the back kind of listening to it now. Um, especially with, with so excited, like she she over articulated a little bit. But for the most part, her voice is pretty clear. You can understand mm-hmm. what she's saying, articulated really well. And then Cheryl singing a ballad was kind of surprising too, but mm. I guess she kind of wanted to show that she's not, she's not trashy. You know what mm. I'm saying? Like, um, but yeah, it's interesting to kind of see where they were, what the times were, mm-hmm. and what they ended up releasing. Yes. So as we mentioned, the girls did end up winning and hitting number one with their gritty debut single, "Sound of the Underground." Yeah. 
produced by Brian Higgins and the Xenomania team. The song spent four weeks at number one and received critical acclaim. And with One True Voice releasing a very boring cover of Sacred Trust by the Bee Gees to compete and the clever marketing slogan, Buy Girls, Buy Boys, as in Buy the Girls single, Goodbye to the Boys, it wasn't even close. They won by a landslide. Uh, so what do you think of Sound of the Underground? The Garage Surf Music Fusion is interesting. I remember sitting on your couch and watching the live performance, and I was like, huh, what's going on here? <laughs> but mm. not in a bad way. Um, I don't remember having any adverse reaction toward it. It's cool. It's definitely a lot different than what came after, but what a cool way to, de- to debut. Like, honestly, I think I think the the strange genre fusion like i said it's it's surf music but it's also garage so the uk can recognize it but it kind of has like a little bit of an american very american influence i mean surfing is a thing out here Mm -hmm. surfing usa you know so it's really cool to kind of hear it with the guitars i feel like it's really fun i think it's interesting um and the lyrics you could just tell it was just very strange already like this is like xenomania light Okay, yeah. Zinomania lights for sure. Water's running in the wrong direction. You know, things like that. You're just like, what What direction else could it go? Oh, it's going up. Okay, why is it going up? It's just little things like that where it's really weird. Um, but I think that's what makes them interesting. I mean, uh, one true voice is going to get washed no matter what. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yes. They were going to get washed no matter what. <laughs> like, for what I understand, those boys were quite cocky as well. So good job, girls. Um, yeah, I will say... <laughs> From watching pop stars, the rivals kind of retroactively, thank God to whoever found the song. I don't know who to credit. Like, I don't know if it's Louis Walsh. I don't know if it's Polydor Records. I don't know who right. decided that they should go with this instead of a boring cover, which they did actually, their B-side was a really boring cover of, of another song. Um, right. And it was supposed to be a double A, but they, thank God, they, they didn't do that. Um, cause yeah, after watching like the independent woman performance and the Love Shack group performance, it's like, oh gosh, they're gonna yeah. t- probably come out with just really boring, stupid, generic pop yeah. song. And they went with this, which yes. is just so cool. Like it's it cooler was. than Atomic Kitten, who was kind of the biggest girl group at the time. It's rockier oh. than what the Sugar Babes had really gone for. Um, uh-huh. And all the styling and everything with the pink and the black and the really yeah. heavy eye makeup and everything. It was just yes. so well done. I think even just the shock of it probably just convinced people to go for it, you know? Um, <laughs> and I think the song has aged well. I like mm-hmm. how um, the vocals are all kind of a whisper. Like none of them, yeah. other than Nadine kind of in, in the, in the, yeah. in the middle right. eight kind of more belting. Right. But mm-hmm. it's just a cool song. And, and yeah. um, I think it still remains one of the, best reality show winning song because usually oh they're kind of just boring ballads you know yeah boy yeah. you know what one true voice thank you for choosing that thinking that y'all were going to touch heartstrings and all that other crap like that that's probably why they did it because both of them like battle of the ballads i don't think so so it worked out it definitely worked out and honestly the follow-up was really good too because with such a huge first single there was a lot of pressure on the girls to continue that success and with the stigma of winning a reality show and the short attention span of the general public the label had the group work with a variety of producers and writers from around uk and europe but when brian higgins heard the original album he went straight to the label and told them to let him work on the songs because the album was like really boring and not creative 
enough. And this resulted in a total of six tracks from the Zinomania team and then the best of the rest. So finally, in May 2003, Girls Aloud released the album Sound of the Underground with the angsty lead single No Good Advice. It's so good. Oh, what a perfect progression from Sound of the Underground. I remember being so relieved when I heard it because I really didn't know where they were going. Like a lot of these reality groups, I think Hearsay won the season before and they just released Pure and Simple and then it just was a downhill landslide pretty much right after that. Um, but I was invested. And so the second I heard this, it was like, Oh, gosh, thank God. It's something cool. Um, and that video is so memorable, too. I know they've mentioned that they hate the silver outfits, but honestly, Ugh. it's what set them apart, though. Like, it's memorable. Um, and then the <laughs> album itself as well. It's definitely not the most cohesive, especially compared mm. to their later projects. Um, but honestly, it actually is a really strong girl group album. Um, there definitely is a weird mix of kind of slightly more faceless, brighter pop songs, then mixed with the Xenomania brilliance. Then there are some weird, quirky ones that, mm -hmm. that like, love bomb and stuff that are just bad, yeah. weird. Um, but you can definitely <laughs> tell they were experimenting at the time with their sound, and there definitely are some gems on here. Definitely need to give some love to Don't Want You Back and Love Hate, especially those are solid pop songs. Um, but yeah, how about you? What did you think of the single and album? You know, I mentioned Love Hate as one of my, like, oh, shout out songs, too, because it's definitely cool. Um, I think it's a nice follow-up, especially with it um, coming right after Sound of the Underground, because Sound of the Underground is just describing an atmosphere, right? It doesn't feel as personal. We just know it's cool, right? It's like, oh, what is this world that they have created? And uh, No Good Advice allows you to kind of fall for the characters that are part of this underground life and i think it's interesting because it, it followed that rebellious kind of sound um and i can understand why they didn't like the silver outfits i mean it was giving very futuristic reynolds rap um but they were selling it in the video for sure mm -hmm. um they're old enough at this point to like sell sensuality but like young enough to sing about being reckless you know i mean nicola was pretty young at the time but yeah. even then she kind of adds that extra kind of I'm young, so I definitely understand what it's like. But then you have someone who's a little bit older and you have to kind you have to find that middle ground where it's not too sexy, but like not too immature and bubblegum. And I have to say the performances with the tambourines. <laughs> yes. All you can hear is little it's like it's like coin purses just <laughs> during the performances. The mics yes. are on, all you can hear is <laughs> I was like, what is this? But kudos to them for not being dancers and they were the boy. They are not dancers, but kudos to them for actually learning choreography and like, you know, having a prop. Props are unpredictable, um, but good for them. Seriously. Um, and yeah, I want to shout out songs like Mars Attack and also Love Hate because they definitely carry the torch sonically from Sound of the Underground. And then we have Boogie Down Love. It's interesting listening to this album because they would talk about things personal to them, like as women, but also like almost like storytelling. So shout out to Zenomania for that and giving them like a voice for girls. It just feels a lot more welcoming than an average girl group. So both the single and the album hit number two in the UK charts and the group beat the reality show Curse. <laughs> um, so though the third single from the album was supposed to be some kind of miracle, there was so much strong positive feedback on the track Life Got Cold that they ended up going with that one instead. 
So though the group was achieving success, the UK pop landscape, as I mentioned earlier, was quickly changing. And the girls have since mentioned that they were in danger of being dropped because the costs associated with the group were so high. However, they got the opportunity to cover the Pointer Sisters' jump for the Love Actually soundtrack, and the huge success of the song saved the group from the danger of being dropped. The group also re-released the album with new packaging and a couple new tracks at the end of 2003, helping the album achieve platinum status. So, what do you think of their cover of Jump? This is one of my favorites, oh. truly. Um, for me, I like when artists cover songs like this. Like, I like old school girl group songs, right? So if a new girl group can do it, but then mm. like make it kind of sound really fresh and then actually deliver... Oh, and that's the kind of vibe I got from this one. I, I really like Jump. I think it's so fun. Um, I think Nadine definitely shines on it vocally. They all had a chance to kind of get a little bit of energy vocally. So I love watching them perform it now, too. Um, is it one of the greatest songs ever, ever, greatest cover ever? No. But I do enjoy their uh, interpretation. And honestly, if this is what saved their career, go ahead, ladies. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, they're very lucky that this opportunity happened for them. Um, I know, un mm -hmm. so unfortunately, their version didn't end up making it into the movie in the international releases. Um, uh -huh. But, you know, it did its job in the UK. And the Love Actually soundtrack is what we mentioned quite a few times on this channel because <laughs> it's just such a great soundtrack. So kudos to uh, it's the director or the music director, whoever was in charge of, of doing that because it's great. Right. Um, but yeah, I agree. Their version is really fun. It's definitely fun live. It's a great concert track. Um, it's not really one of my favorites in their grand scheme of their discography, but it did its job. Um, and then speaking of the vocals, though, Nicola, unfortunately, just gets the one line of like four words. Yeah. But we know yeah. she could have had a line here or there in the verses. She would have she would have carried it. So, um, you know, mm -hmm. it's interesting. We'll talk a little bit more maybe about the vocal distribution overall later. Um, but it definitely mm -hmm. isn't even. <laughs> Nobody. It is not. Yeah. And it's interesting because you have a team that's worked with you for so mm -hmm. many years and yet you couldn't figure out where to put me. K-pop fans would be upset, boy. They would be timing it. If you don't know, in K-pop, they have <laughs> videos now where they're timing the vocal distribution. Even if it's an ad lib, that counts as a millisecond or whatever. Fans will clock mm -hmm. you now, <laughs> literally clock you. Um, but yes, with the momentum picking up, the group quickly went into the studio to work on the next album, this time having Brian Higgins and the Xenomania group produce the entire project, a move that would continue for the rest of Girls Aloud's career. So Brian said that the label told them that they would drop Girls Aloud if they didn't take part on the whole project. So, I mean, at this point, your hands are literally tied. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to this girl group <laughs> and with a shift a musical shift toward a brighter sound along with a major sh image shift thanks to form design the first single released from this album era was the show Yes, 
oh man, I remember when the teasers came out for the show and we mm-hmm. saw the director's chairs, like the empty ones. And then mm-hmm. there was a new styling, new hair colors, the brighter <laughs> costumes. Like it really felt like what a K-pop comeback feels like now when they reveal the new mm-hmm. hair colors and what the color concepts yeah. are going to be. Um, because yeah. it really was that big a shift. It was all just kind of drab and dark before that. Like even for Jump, like it was all just kind of like... Mm-hmm drab i don't know um so form yeah. design i bow down to you for these amazing single <laughs> and album covers and photo shoots um they actually just did a really great article on their website mm-hmm. about their work with girls aloud and they also mm-hmm. guested on the great you can't mistake their anthology girls aloud commentary podcast as well um definitely go check that out it was a really interesting interview um but anyway the show it was time to do something a bit more electro um, still cool, but I think they needed to then depart from the Rocky thing that they had going on to, to kind of match yeah. the image shift. Um, but I love yeah. the song. I love the double chorus, the odd verses, Sarah's ad libs. Um, and also yeah. one of the best music videos of theirs for me, just very silly and entertaining. Also, if you've never seen their performance on the Royal Variety <laughs> for the Queen herself, where they don't even have microphones and there's this like really basic (laughs) costume change. It's just, it's just a really, it's great, but also feels really cheap. So it's just funny that they did that for the queen. But yeah, what a time. (laughs) What a time. What do you think of the show? Oh my god, can you imagine you a queen, you get in a talent show performance, like watching your nieces or something? That's what it felt like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, The song was definitely interesting for sure. Um, forgot in which order I heard it or if I heard it like if I watched the performance in a concert I forget but I do know that this wasn't one of the videos that you showed me when you introduced me mm. um, this one's a little weird uh, it, the, it started a trend for me with Xenomania where I start questioning the lyrics I'm like what what a kooky mix of mm-hmm. words like I don't understand some of these words um, and I'm like is it because I'm American is it is it because I'm just really not getting it it's like no some of it is just a little the metaphors are just <laughs> very strong hair salon concept for girl groups are tried and true and I love it from bills 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 to short hair by AOA to this like you can't go wrong with a good hairstyle or hair salon or any kind of salon video you can make it funny you can make it serious they're spinning chairs the options are absolutely endless yes so the next single from the album was actually a controversial one for the group because after recording over 18 separate parts for the song girls aloud was horrified when they found out that the label had decided that love machine would be their next single, with them all thinking it was a little too out there and weird for the general public to understand. But unable to convince their label otherwise, the single Love Machine was released in September 2004 and has since become one of the group's signature songs. I want to swing dance, slip my hair, and look for the man at the same time with this song. It's really fun. <laughs> uh, and I'll probably get dragged, but I love the pre-hook. Like, the gift wrap kitty cat only turns the tigers and we gotta fight back. Let's go, Eskimo. Like, come on! Who wouldn't like the let's go Ex- Eskimo line? I refuse to let it go to this day. I don't know why. Um, I heard it and I was like, what? What? <laughs> I was, like, very, like, confused. Like, what What the heck is 
have to do with anything. But that's the thing about the lyrics of with this girl group. You're not going to get everything that sounds like cohesive and has to make sense. It feels good. The song mm-hmm. is about feeling good, and I love that. I wonder if I would have liked them liked it back then, because back then, because like the sounds and the songs that were happening out here. I don't know if I would have jived to it, you know, mm-hmm. but looking at it, I'm like, hmm, as weird as I was and as welcoming as I was with different sounds, I probably would have gotten into it. But honestly, I think it was pretty jarring considering how they felt about it. Like it is, it's jarring to say the least, considering mm-hmm. the music at the time and the trends and whatnot. Um, what about you? How do you feel about the song? What did you think when you first heard it? I remember being like, what? is this <laughs> when I first heard it um mm-hmm. you know it's interesting because they did start off as just a really cool girl group right and then a year mm-hmm. or so later now they're back with this um mm-hmm. so definitely very jarring as a fan also but after seeing the music video and the silly dance routine it grew on me very quickly and so now whenever mm-hmm. I hear you know down 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 you know it's just funny and it makes me smile um it's fun to sing along to and i also love how kooky the lyrics are and yeah as as they've continued to perform it through the years and actually embrace the track i I do think they all love it now um so Mm -hmm. it's just gotten better and better as they've continued to kind of add more production to it and add new dance breaks and stuff to it um so it's been fun kind of just watching how they've grown to love the song as well so it's safe to say they stood by the track. <laughs> like their next single, I'll Stand By You. To launch the next album, the group was asked to release the official single for Children in Needs fundraising campaign. A cover of I'll Stand By You, originally by The Pretenders, and the track became Girls Aloud's second number one hit. Brian has mentioned that the original production that he had done was very different. It was a bit moodier and kind of, it was just a big change from the original, but they all felt that because it was the charity single and everything, they kind of <laughs> needed to make it a little safer and more, right. you know, appeal more to the general public. Um, so yeah, I think it is, it's okay. I, I think it's a pretty song. Um, I much prefer the original though. Uh, I think the emotion and everything in it is just better. Um, mm. but I think in terms of, an opportunity for them. It is an honor, actually, to be asked to do this single. It's always a big deal who they choose to do it. Um, and it really was great for them overall. Gave them a lot of visibility, mm-hmm. more exposure to older audience who's probably already knew the song. And they got to sing live and do harmonies and stuff, which, you know, there weren't that many harmonies in, in the songs previous to this. Um, yeah. So I think... In the grand scheme of their career, it was an awesome opportunity. But the song itself... Not one of my favorites, but how about you? Yeah, I, I yeah I read somewhere that the critics didn't really like the cover either. They were like, oh, tight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm glad the song became big for them. You know, like you had mentioned, it was good for them to have this kind of exposure. Um, and, and doing cover songs seemed to be, you know, good for the group. Um, uh, <clears throat> you know, an ongoing trend with like jump and then this and then another cover. Yeah. So it, it I guess it's like a, almost like a commonplace for a cover to at least be like one track on the on the album when you're listening to that listening to them sing it at the concert you get the sentimental moment (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then you move on to the next um portion of the concert so i liked it (laughs) finally in november 2004 the group then released their second album what will the neighbors say and the album was inspired by various subgenres of electro pop 
and the group members also contributed to the writing of some tracks, and the album received rave reviews from the critics. So, mm -hmm. what do you think of the album? With a line from the iconic Love Machine, you can't go wrong. What would the neighbors? What will? What will the neighbors say? Excuse me. <laughs> this album was interesting because the subject matter was definitely a lot more grown up and less moody. Um. So yeah, the sound is definitely a lot more brighter and whatnot. And songs like "Graffiti My Soul" were genre bending and fierce. The Western rock industrial beats over scandalous lyrics. Oh yeah. Uh, the tracks were uh, uh, a lot more mature on the album, and like. Mm -hmm. A lot more, I guess, quote unquote, dark or like moodier than the tracks that were released, like the singles that were released. Not to make it sound like they were they weren't good, but it's just interesting that the delivery is a lot more cooler, like in real life or like deadlines and diets and the iconic "Here We Go," of course, which ended up being the theme song for Totally Spies, which is so cool. But it's just interesting to, if you listen to their albums, you're like, oh, there's some depth to this group. Um, mm -hmm. So I definitely appreciated what they did with it, and. Um, and and again, they took a risk, deciding to go brighter and wearing dresses yes. and, you know, doing the whole pretty girl thing. So kudos to them for taking that risk, you know, totally. Um, how do you feel about the album as a whole? It's a good album. It's a good album. They definitely didn't have the sophomore slump. It's a major mm -hmm. improvement from the Sound of the Underground album. Um, and it's great that they got to write. Um, mm -hmm. I, it's interesting to hear all their contributions. Like you said, some of them are a little darker, a little more vulnerable. Um, so there is a good range across the album. And, you know, Xenomania had found their muses and the creativity yeah. throughout the project. You can hear it. Like every song stands out on its own in a great way. Um, while staying cohesive as a project. Wake Me Up, which is the next single, is just such a fantastic song. Great choice for the next single and the music mm -hmm. video. Just a perfect blend of glamour, sexiness, silliness, and a little yes. more mature than the first album. So just, yeah, I have to shout that out. So after a Brit nomination for Best Pop Act and a successful first UK theater tour, Girls Aloud went right back into the studio with Xenomania to work on the third album. So though an announcement was made that the girls would release a cover of Chris Isaac's Wicked Game, the release never happened, and their version has still never been heard, and it's probably the most requested thing by the fans at the moment. Uh, mm -hmm. So the anniversaries are coming up, guys. It's time to bring it out. <laughs> um, yeah, it should be also be noted that during this whole time, though Louis Walsh was technically their manager on paper, member Kimberly was actually the one taking the reins and organizing everything for the group. Uh, but finally, they did hire Hillary Shaw as their new management around this time as well. So their team was growing um, yeah. as the group was getting bigger, which is good. So first single from the third album era was Long Hot Summer, released in August 2005. Higgins has described the song as a disaster record because it was written and recorded for the 2005 Disney film Herbie Fully Loaded starring Lindsay Lohan which is why the music video features the girls in a garage. However, mm. the song never actually made it into the soundtrack but despite that, the plans were in place already and Brian said that trying to chase the soundtrack disrupted the Xenomania team creatively and that it made it was made in a panic actually. The song is not exactly like out standing it's a really safe pop record performances with the fans were fun but the song isn't anything that would you know like wow girls loud 
Woo! This is amazing. Yeah. It's not a terrible song, but it's just like it kind of just dims in comparison to the previous releases, right? Yeah. I think everyone was definitely a bit underwhelmed when this song came out. And, you know, the mm-hmm. chart position at number seven, obviously that's not a bad chart position, but I think that kind of yeah. just shows that there wasn't huge interest in it. Um, but I, I agree. I think maybe the performances are really what sells the track. I, you know, <laughs> the fan dance is great. And they did these various versions with cars and beach chairs mm-hmm. and things th- mm-hmm. throughout the, throughout the promotional time. So I do remember all of those well. But I would say the highlight for me in this song is actually Nadine's rappy verse, which I actually believe she despises it. Um, but yeah. that part is actually the most memorable and fun part for me in this one. Uh, yeah. so yeah. yeah, uh, with Long Hot Summer <laughs> only having moderate success, the pressure was on. So to launch the album, the group released the unhinged quirky single Biology in November 2005. So now known as another of the group's signature hits, the song is composed of a couple sections that are completely different, something we like to refer to as the Frankenstein method, which is now very common in K-pop, but it was Girls Aloud's and Xenomania's signature sound established during this time in the mid-2000s, and Biology received universal acclaim, with the song being described as one of the best pop singles ever by huge publications including The Guardian, Pitchfork, and Billboard. So, what do you think of Biology? But when I first heard it, I just thought, oh, okay. Um, you showed me it mm. uh, during your quick little introduction on the couch. And I thought, okay, this is not anything too crazy. But the only thing I could really focus on was, again, the bad dancing. I love that they can't <laughs> dance. I love when people can't dance and they still dance. I love. I don't know what that is. I enjoy it. I mean, at least try. Um, and, the, and the weird little dress transitions, that's what threw me off. Um, I could I could understand how some people could be like, what in the world is going on? And maybe it is because of K-pop. I was okay with the song. Uh, the song is really relatable. Oh my god! Um, but also confusing at the same time. I don't. Again, the song makes me feel a variety of emotions, but happiness is the general feeling. I like I like listening to it. I will play it. I will. I will sing my little heart out to this song, no matter what. Yes, that's interesting. You say it's relatable, though. I have no idea what the song is about. <laughs> See, this is one of those things where I'm just like, I don't know, but I know. Like, certain sections, like, you know, the, the Cappuccino to go and, like, the Alabama return, stuff like that. I don't know what the hell that is. But <laughs> the hooks, I get. Oh, because it's so hard to understand Xenomania. Shout out to y'all, but I don't know if this would work nowadays, you know? Which is interesting. Well, I think it actually works because I think me loving K-pop, for example, I have no idea what they're saying most of the time. So a good song, you don't need to know what they're talking about. I remember the first time I actually played this song in the car, um, and my mom mm. turned to me and was like, she said to me in Cantonese, basically, what is this? Uh, <laughs> she was very confused. <laughs> and I think that confusion is part of this song's brilliance, because uh-huh. it is bizarre in the best way possible. And I just love that they took such a huge risk by releasing this as the lead single from their album. Um, mm-hmm. And mentioning the music video... I love how cheap it looks. I yes. love how awkward it is. That like 
the sped up shaking as you can tell the turntables moving as you're yeah. changing sets. Um, yeah, the mess ups in the dance routines, the bad transitions. Like part of, I think part of what makes Girls Aloud so likable is the mm-hmm. fact that they, while they do exude a glamour, right? They're all beautiful and they wear, you know, yeah. fancy clothes a lot of the time. They're definitely not perfect and they're kind of yeah. silly and kind of awkward too. So this music yes. video captures all of that so perfectly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think it just makes them likable, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so yeah, I think this song is brilliant. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, this is another one like Love Machine where when I hear that, you know, I automatically yeah. smile. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the singles release was followed up very quickly by the Chemistry album, which is a loose concept project with lyrics focused on being a 20 something year old girl in London. So despite mm-hmm. only charting at number 11 in the charts, the album achieved Huge sales, and the girls reached a new level of success. To further promote the album, a cover of D.C. Lee's See the Day was released to compete for the Christmas number one, but only hit number nine. Oh, dang. Mm. (laughs) Cheryl has since mentioned that she hates the track, but the label wanted to try to recreate the success of Stand By You. Nicola even has called this Nadine's song since she sings almost the entire studio version of the track, though they would redistribute the vocals a bit more evenly for the eventual tour performances. The final single from the album was A Whole Lot of History, which was chosen by the group for a single release and had a beautiful video shot in Paris. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. See the yeah. day first. Yeah, um, that's, what that's a rough. weird and boring <laughs> choice. I don't know why they thought that was a good idea. Um, when they had Whole Lot of History right there, like why not just release Whole Lot of History as the Christmas number one mm-hmm. attempt? Then you can release uh-huh. something else off this fantastic album for the fourth single. Yeah. Like this, yeah. the, the, see the day then a whole lot of history is just such a bizarre moment, mm. I think, in their yes. discography. Um, you know, there's the fan favorite models, <laughs> but there's also watch me go and waiting. Yeah. And like there's so many yeah. single contenders yeah. on this album. Um, but anyway, oh. this album is perfect. Um, again, just full of clever lyrics, interesting song structures, interesting genres of pop that are all kind of thrown in there. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I just, I, I do love this era, but they're very lucky that they survived, um, the kind of awkwardness of see the day and whole lot history. I mean, I love whole lot history, but it also didn't do that well in the charts. Um, so I think it was actually kind of a rocky time for them. Uh, but yeah, how about you? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Uh, a GA cover that didn't make the top five. Oh no. Mm. <laughs> um, this one's okay. The whole have seen the day. I was like, get the, what is happening? I mean, it doesn't sound bad, but you can tell that like a Xenomania written ballad could have been so much better or, or any of the other songs you mentioned. Like you heard me going, uh huh, yeah, uh, when you were naming a bunch of songs, I was like, yeah, uh, like I was, I'm so with you on that. All right. So, I mean, honestly, a whole lot of history was the more superior track out of the two. Mm. Um, the song is not a bad single to have, even though it's not like the green ones. It's not terrible either, but it definitely shows the emotional range outside of hot girls, hot nights, and candy colored dresses. A whole lot of history is the song that makes me think of Sarah because she just heard her, her bridges. Are <laughs> mm. It's just interesting because, again, lyrical loopiness of Kim's intro as well. Like it just has moments as a full song. It's okay. It's mm. sweet. I, I I get the sentiment. I know that feeling where it's just like, are you really happy with her? 
what happened? What happened? I mean, I mean, I mean, are you really happy? Um, I get that. I mean, who doesn't get that? Um, and I have to say that video, as beautiful as it was and as beautiful as they look, I just cannot get over them being in that room together for some of the scenes and smiling while discussing a breakup. I just, I'll never get that. <laughs> oh, but they look so good. Um, I will they say, do. I think, so I actually have a special place in my heart for a whole lot of history because when mm -hmm. I saw them eventually on the 10 tour many years later, I did get a lot of eye contact from them <laughs> during this one. Oh um, but yeah, actually, I love the melody of it. I do think it's beautiful. Yeah. It's just, it just shouldn't have come right after see the day in terms of single releases i think so during the rest of 2006 the group embarked on their first arena tour the chemistry tour and they also mm -hmm. featured in a few documentaries including home truths ghost hunting with girls aloud and the series off the record that followed the girls during their promotions for a whole lot of history as well as travel to australia and china so You've now seen Off the Record. I did ask you to watch it. <laughs> um, and it's brilliant. Anyone who does want to do a deeper dive into Girls Aloud should definitely watch Off the Record because you get a really good idea of their friendships with each other, their situation kind of business-wise. And honestly, mm -hmm. it's just very entertaining. Um, <laughs> my favorite parts are probably um, when they complain about climbing the hill in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> in heels and also when they travel to australia and they're hot mess they're all, a mess they're a mess in every way <laughs> they're like the dean doesn't want to hold the koala they're proud of a really not great chart position for biology like the whole mm -hmm. thing is just crazy um so yeah what do you think of, of, of off the record <laughs> It's nice to see them after years of success see them in a more natural state especially with the um the home truths you get to see them at, with their families and whatnot um you, you get to really see that these girls are funny and like really down to earth and it's so nice because watching off the record made me fall for cheryl before i just felt like she's really pretty like she has the dimples sun me stole a song from her like i just didn't really pay attention right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For those who don't know what that's about, definitely check out our Girls Aloud pop-up episode where we go into extreme detail about what happened with Cheryl's Fight for This Love versus a <laughs> Korean Idol song. Um, but yeah, I remember watching and I thought she was so funny. <laughs> She's already beautiful, yeah? But then she's speaking her mind, having conniptions about me wearing my own clothes and I'm going to be the only one looking like a dickhead. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> <"She's> <laughs> but I understand like everyone else looks really good and you're the only one wearing your home clothes like you look like it's like me going out with you wearing a really nice shirt and I'm wearing this flop era shirt it doesn't make any sense <laughs> so she was having a whole conniption and the dean was just listening to her like oh you know <laughs> sorry you know but not taking it too personally Sarah's freaking out about her flat booty and her pencil skirt and her nipples popping now possibly of a corset that was way too hot it was like up to her neck it was not gonna pop out <laughs> but doing biology with the arms mm. I can understand now like why they would perform a certain way or even you know if they looked uncomfortable it was because they were and if you watch that show you get a kind of like a back background uh a behind the scenes idea of like why it happened and of course we get Sarah crashing her car <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, which is again awesome. And then Iconic. Nadine dating John Tucker. Oh yeah. The they dated for a like, while actually. Girl, I was confused. I'm sorry, girl, I was confused. I it's was a hot like couple. John Tucker. I was, you know, I, I could see that, but again, I only knew him as John Tucker. So right, I was right. like, who is this? Him dating her? So yeah, again, it was all just a whirlwind of just information last year that I got when I watched it back then. <laughs> but it was really cool though. I love it. No one does it anymore. No one does yes. it anymore. 
not this candidly. Like, it's all very scripted and, and you know, PR, yeah. you know, heavily now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yes. Aim. With the standard UK pop release structure of three albums and a greatest hits, it was announced that the group would release their first greatest hits compilation, a move that sparked split rumors. And it is understood, as I mentioned earlier, that the girls were again in danger of being dropped during this time, given Crazy. the changing music landscape and the not-so-great uh, commercial success of the chemistry singles. But mm. with Sound of Girls Aloud, the greatest hits, going straight in at number one and going on to sell over one million units in Europe— Along with the huge success of the fiery lead single, Something Kinda Ooh, the love for Girls Aloud mm. was the highest it's ever been. Jumping on my tutu. I even know the dance now. <laughs> um, yeah, again, for girls who are not a dance crew, they were giving me toot toot. They lifted that leg. I was like, yes. They had to step it up because this song was not even like, oh yeah, you can kind of just shake a fan. This one was like, I got to hit her, got to. There was no moment for like posing in this song. Um, I even saw like Nadine kind of throwing her hand up and down. I was like, girl, you got a short dress on. You better go off, sis. <laughs> so I think this song was definitely one of those like, uh tracks that when i was listening to the albums and listening to watching the live performances that k-pop definitely is inspired by a lot of the brit pop and western just music in general like there's mm -hmm. this chanty intro that becomes the second verse into like a spoken verse before going into the chorus and then parting out until the end it's a really fun song um i'm still confused about lyrics um <laughs> so, so like she's stupid i might be i might be stupid but no okay. i think they always talk about how crazy their lyrics are right i don't think the girls <laughs> even know what they're singing about most of the time you know but that's what makes it fun i'm kind of just like you know what it's okay. I mean, whatever the something kind of ooh is, they had it. And I was really excited to listen to it. I mean, uh, again, as you experiencing it like in real time or mm. maybe like a year later, we were experiencing this in like, yes. real time. Yes, was, all of this yeah. was in real time for me. Yes. Okay, um, so how was it? I was very excited when I heard this song because I think especially, again, mentioning the slow songs they had released prior to this and then the kind of quirky mm -hmm. biology, you know, like they needed just a pure, fun, dancey, high energy song. So this really fulfilled all of that um, and is definitely a highlight for me in their discography. Um, I will mm -hmm. say the music video looks so cheap. Like clearly the budget yeah. was not there. The green screening and the car and stuff is just horrific. Um, yeah. But other than that, it is a great <laughs> song. <laughs> the group was pressed for time to record songs for the greatest hit project, and the label had forced them to record a cover of What a Feeling from Flashdance, but the girls hated it. Sarah suggested the cover, I Think We're Alone Now, originally by Tommy James and the Shondells, instead. So they quickly had to record the song and ship the masters only a few days later. The original album version of I Think We're Alone Now is extremely bare, with Xenomania doing a full revamp and the girls re-recording the track for its eventual single release in December.
December 2006. And during this era, the group also paired up with the Sugar Babes to release a tragic cover of Walk This Way, serving as the official single for the 2007's comic relief, going straight to number one. And I mean tragic in the sense of the performance. The song was not bad. No, the song wasn't good either. Like, come on. Like, you get Girls Aloud and Sugar Babes together and you do that? Also, without (laughs) Xenomania, also, like, imagine Xenomania doing this awesome, crazy track for the two girl groups. Like, ha- why? They can't, yeah. Why? Oh, uh, this yeah. is such a missed opportunity. <laughs> opportunity. So mad about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, following the Greatest Hits tour and just a small break, Xenomania was hard at work on the next studio album. So this time, Brian invited each member of the group to his home to discuss their current life situations and experiences to use as inspiration for the album. So in August okay. 2007, Girls Aloud released Sexy No No No, an electro-punk song featuring writing credits from the members of Girls Aloud, Xenomania, and a sample of Nazareth's Hair of the Dog. fun the talking mm. intro cheryl's just selling it nadine's part i mm. can't deny mm. wait my did did mine saying lover come get me i was like girl come through this one i understood i understood the meaning of this song real quick it wasn't too difficult um i mean playing hard to get after getting the bare minimum i mean who could not relate to this song now um but between the catchiness catchiness of the hook and whatnot i forgot to pay attention to the lyrics after a while i was just like you know what i'm hooked already let me just enjoy it the the even in the outros or like the little transitional sounds the woo woo. there's a lot Mm -hmm. to listen to a lot to find in this song little easter eggs here and there i love the harmonies and line switch offs in this song but the only thing i do wish wish for them is that they didn't get like some christina fighter-esque music video where they kind of look like you know they could have been in that music video but then like sex dolls at the same time like the sex doll look was cute but i just wish they just didn't it didn't look like fighter you know with the whole inflatable dress yeah and, yeah, yeah. You know, there was definitely a lot of comparison wish. at the time for sure but you i know, think the video itself is cool <laughs> if you forget is. about the comparison yeah, yeah so for it. me i definitely thought the girls were gonna split after the greatest hits um, mm. despite them reassuring, I had just gone through that whole kind of three albums and a greatest hits and split situation too many times. So, um, I'm very, I was very excited that they actually did continue. They got a second wind, um, mm-hmm. and that they came back with another crazy risky song. Right. I mean, yeah. I think the title alone is already like, yeah. what is like, what is this? You know, um, and the it, sexy as, no, no, no. as the song <laughs> progresses, it just gets more and more interesting. Um, yeah. And it, it just has a cool build to it. And I think mm-hmm. this song is just a great representation of Xenomania at its best. It's just, it's mm-hmm. bizarre and kind of confusing. But then once you really get it, it's like amazing and brilliant. To launch the Tangled Up album, the group released Call the Shots in November 2007, a track originally written for the Greatest Hits album and inspired by an article about powerful women in business. Really 
The album again received universal critical acclaim, being praised for the uniqueness of each track and the overall exploration into dance and synth pop. Also in 2007, the Guinness World Records would list the group as the most successful reality TV group ever. Mm. Yay! Yeah. Exciting. Oh, what a time. Lucky you. <laughs> this was a great time to be a fan, for sure, because you could tell the popularity had reached a new level. Um, mm. Like, the public really got behind them. I think the the fact that they were competing against all the indie pop, indie rock happening at the time, mm. mm-hmm. it made them stand out. So if you liked pop music, you really only had them to turn to. Um, so the That's situation, so and they ended up being able to take advantage of that situation, I guess. Um, yeah. And Call the Shots is probably my favorite Girls Aloud song ever. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it's just... It's a beautiful melody, and the production is super crisp, and Nicola's middle eight yeah. is just, it's so beautiful and, and pretty. Um, but the album, also my favorite mm-hmm. Girls Aloud album, it is just nonstop greatness. <laughs> Literally, each song could be a single. Like, it really, every song is so high quality. I remember there were mm-hmm. huge debates online in the Girls Aloud fan community about what the third single should be, and that just shows mm-hmm. how strong the album is, right? When so many yeah. songs could be singles. Um, and while I did agree with the choice, I do have to say, Girl Overboard, if there was a fourth mm-hmm. single, it should have been that one. Um, yeah. And also, if you've never watched the Tangled Up tour... Please definitely mm-hmm. do that because it's super strong show. I think their confidence at, as performers and their unity as a group was really at, at its peak, I think, at this time. Uh, so definitely, definitely a good show. Um, but yeah, how about you? What do you think of Call the Shots and the Tangled Up album? We love a good, you know, mature GA moment. You know, being emotional and still delivering with Call the Shots. That's what I'm talking about. You want to show people that you're not, again, the candy color dresses. This time we have nice couture gowns on. We're sitting there looking great. And and, and Sarah with her speed racer helmet haircut. Very chic. <laughs> um, but yeah, this album has a lot of fun tracks, especially with Fling, Black Jacks, Close mm. to Love. Like mm-hmm. This album was definitely fun. Um, I, was, I was definitely blown away with this one, too. I mean, 10 came after years of like... Uh, working, but Tangled was right in the middle, like you said. It was peak performance, peak energy, peak girls' aloudness, and I was absolutely speechless. Mm. Following another Brit nomination for Best British Group, the group released the third and final single from the album, The Funky Can't Speak French, in March At number nine in the UK singles chart, the track maintained the group's record of consecutive top ten singles. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yes. What did you think about this track? Ah. I was obsessed with this song from the second I heard the album. I think uh, for sure one of my favorites, one of my favorite Girls Aloud songs ever. Also, in the music video, just makes it even better. Just super camp mm-hmm. and just funny. Uh, yeah. And yeah, this is this song is a great example of how a chorus can be insanely simple but extremely mm-hmm. effective. Um, oh, yeah. I think I remember reading an article or an interview with Brian, and he said this was the easiest of the Girls Loud singles to write. Um, I bet. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, this is this is up there for me for sure. How about you? I think because I had like a, a early interaction with the song via VH1. Like I said, the best girl group compilations or something like that, they had mentioned this song, and I thought, oh, okay, I don't know who this is. They're mm. definitely 
not American. I was like, I don't know what this is. Obviously, like I kind of just didn't pay attention because again, I was I was a kid at the time. Um, and I love and I love this song maybe because of the, just a weird kind of roundabout connection I have to it. But yeah, I really adore it. I love Kimberly's verse. Oh my gosh, she has the husky the mm. huskiness that the song needed. Like when it comes to sensual tracks or like. Uh, really quiet, emotive kind of track. She really stands out, mm-hmm. and it's nice that she was able to have this moment, like that she had in whole lot of history. You know, you know it's her. You can hear it. Um, so yeah, they've been they've been out here killing the game, influencing internationally, even if it wasn't hitting <laughs> out here in the U.S. completely. And to coincide with the single release, the group also worked on another television series, The Passions of Girls Aloud, which sounds like a soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> and every member except Nadine took part in the cracks in the group were beginning to show. Nadine had moved to LA to pursue a venture into the Irish bar business and other solo activities were beginning to take over. And most notably, Cheryl replaced Sharon Osbourne as a judge on the fifth series of The X Factory UK, one of the biggest television programs in the country at the time. And after winning her first season with contestant Alexandra Burke, this opportunity catapulted Cheryl into a new level of stardom known across the country as the nation's sweetheart i mean with those damn dimples who Mm. wouldn't want her to be their sweetheart (laughs) and even before that her high profile marriage to the footballer ashley cole in 2006 and the rumors of his cheating garnered public support for her and she instantly became the group's most recognizable member and with cheryl's success the group also benefited they went on their biggest tour so far and played notable festivals across the country Yes, so despite the increase in solo activities, the group and Xenomania were working hard on the next album, Out of Control, which would become the group's best-selling album ever, but also their final studio album. So Brian Higgins noted that the increased popularity and maturity of the group led to a more mainstream sound for this era, and the first single from the album was The Promise, released in October 2008. The 60s-inspired single was an instant hit, hitting number one and eventually winning the 2009 Brit Award for Best British Single, a moment long overdue. So the group members have mentioned since then that the label actually did not want The Promise as the lead single, but the group demanded it, with Nadine even threatening that she would immediately fly back to Los Angeles and not participate in the upcoming promotions if they didn't comply. (laughs) <laughs> so they finally have power, right? Uh, after arguing about Love Machine all those years back, um, now oh, wow. they were finally able to kind of put their foot down. Uh, so mm-hmm. what do you think of The Promise? It's such a sweet song. It's nothing too complicated, right? Mm-hmm. But it also just has a really nice sound. So shout out to Zinomania for, you know, making something that was quote unquote normal, but not boring. So I think people just think like vanilla is boring. You don't have to be boring. You'd be tasty vanilla. These girls are, this is premium, premium vanilla, Mm. like with the sprinkles and cherry on top. It was just, just right. Just right. And considering all the other sounds that they explored throughout their careers, uh, rock, pop, dance all this stuff like that it was nice to kind of harken back to older girl groups again like i said with jump if you can make an old sounding song sound good mm. i'm here for you but yeah no this is definitely a sweet song i really enjoy it i like the video nothing too serious again but they look they look great mm. they look absolutely great and i love the live version that they do 
I didn't. I would have not even expected that they were like kind of starting to slip mm, away from each other. That was interesting. They played it off well. Played it off yeah. well. Yeah, it was interesting being a fan at the time because you could definitely feel, you know, Nadine's separation. And then Cheryl becoming so popular and she had the mm-hmm. Will I Am song that she was featured in and stuff. So it was, you could definitely feel that, that I think, as a fan. Um, but at the same time, because of Cheryl's popularity, it really did put the group really to legend status, I think. Mm -hmm. And so the anticipation for this song was really high. And I remember listening live to the radio premiere of the song and they tease it by only playing the countdown part, the one, two, Mm -hmm. three, four, and then just stopping it. Like that was how they Mm -hmm. teased it for like an hour before they played the whole song. Um, So I I always remember that. Uh, But yeah, I agree. I think going the Motown inspired route was such a good idea because not only was it a sound that they hadn't really explored yet previously, it, it felt right with the maturity that they had. And it felt like a natural progression from Call the mm-hmm. Shots and Can't Speak French as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think for the album, though, um, super, super good. Um, yes. Definitely more mature. I think it, it does feel like there is a bit more filler on here compared to mm-hmm. the last two offerings. But the filler is good filler. Uh, <laughs> yes. And there are some gems on there as well. Um, and also, I need to shout out the Girls Aloud Party special that they did uh, for the promotion of this <laughs> album. Really funny skits <laughs> in there. Uh, really great performances also. So with the whole lead single debate, the label had actually wanted the girls to release The Loving Kind, which eventually became the second single. The third and final single from the album was an edit of the epic Untouchable. With the rise of downloads and streaming, unfortunately, it hit number 11 in the UK single chart, breaking the group's stream of having 20 consecutive top 10 singles. During the release of the track, the group was also in the middle of their biggest UK arena tour ever, the Out of Control Tour. Yeah, I think there were some other songs that could have been released. I'm not saying The Loving Kind is bad, but it's just, I guess in the sense of like matching call the shots in the sense they want to release like a mature one it's like we sing about love all the time but this one's about not really being loving but trying my best to find the compromise and love languages before mm-hmm. it became like a popular thing um i think one of my favorite moments is um sarah blowing the last note <laughs> going flat <laughs> it's great definitely check it out in our sarah harding's best moment tribute video that we have here on the channel mm-hmm. um so i think it's interesting uh this was the era of the mike always being on yes <laughs> um <laughs> so it's definitely very evident um i don't remember anything else really being stand out from the album i did like untouchable i thought that was really pretty i like watching them perform it but yeah it's it's not it's not a bad last kind of album mm-hmm. but it wasn't as strong as tangled up so yes. i can't really i don't have much emotional like stake in it in my commentary sorry y'all so yeah going back to the loving kind i actually do love the loving kind um i mm-hmm. think the reason the label loved it so much i agree i think it does sound like kind of a part two to call the shots but also the pet mm-hmm. shop boys wrote it so i think they they really liked mm-hmm. that connection um mm-hmm. but yeah i think with untouchable though first mm-hmm. off The six-minute album version is amazing and epic and remains one of my absolute favorite Girls Aloud songs. And Nadine's Mm. section alone is already just insanely beautiful and worth listening to. Uh, But editing it down for the single version and adding all those added vocal effects and everything was Mm. not it. Uh, I do (laughs) not agree with 
this being a single. Um, it need mm-hmm. it should have remained as kind of a hidden gem, I think, on the album as this mm-hmm. kind of epic six minute long song. Uh, so yeah, that's my thought with the album though. I do like rolling mm-hmm. back the rivers. I like revolution in the head. Oh, yes. um, yeah, I do okay. think it, they do stand out, but I do think, um, I don't know. I feel like you could just tell maybe the inspiration was dying a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely just not as strong a project overall. But as a girl group album, it's still quite good. It is interesting to note that for the last two music videos, so The Loving mm-hmm. Kind and Untouchable, um, the oh, girls yeah. don't have any scenes together. Um, oh. They're kind of on their own. Uh, so that just really reflects the situation at the time with the individual schedules and maybe the more kind of strained relationships uh, with the Untouchable video. It ends with them landing on Earth, but you don't actually see it. Um, and I uh-huh. wish that that last seed was them actually leaving their pods and taking over Earth together because it just feels like <laughs> with them pods. landing, it just feels unfinished. Mm-hmm. Um, or I wish yeah. with something new that they mm-hmm. then came out of the pods as like, we're back. Yeah, I don't know. Something needed yeah, to happen with that. But yeah, anyway, um, with the tour though, I did go to the tour. Thank you mm-hmm. to my parents for understanding my fandom <laughs> and flying me over mm-hmm. there literally right after the end of my freshman year of college. Um, <laughs> it was a really good concert. Um, did yeah. really elevate the album tracks. And on one of the nights, I did sit near Emma and Jerry from the Spice Girls. So I was freaking out oh, and nice. didn't know if I should be watching them or Girls Aloud because it was like <laughs> two of my favorite girl groups like all together in one room around me. Um, and Sarah me. gave me a shout out as well on the last night that I went. I did go four times actually to that show. Um, Aww, so, so, so yeah, this, I have a special uh, place in my heart, I think, for, for this tour. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, so though an announcement was made that Girls Aloud had signed a brand new record deal with Fascination Records, they did also note that they would be taking mm-hmm. a year-long hiatus to focus on solo activities, though they would fulfill their commitment as special guests for the Coldplay and Jay-Z shows at Wembley Stadium at the end of 2009. This year-long hiatus ended up lasting much longer than that, with each member pursuing various activities, including solo material. Shady comments were also shared regarding Nadine and her relationship with the rest of the group, calling them colleagues rather than friends, and also revealing that she and Brian would record all the vocals for the tracks before the other girls got involved. Sounds a lot like Pussycat Dolls with Nicole. Speaking of which, make sure you guys check out that uh, podcast slash video on our channel. (laughs) It was also revealed that Nadine had her own management for a few years at that point already, and that the relationship with the rest of the girls was strained ever since moving to LA. So a lot of blame was put on Nadine for the hiatus. However, Cheryl was also very successful in her solo career, continuing her stint on X Factor and releasing multiple solo albums, Mm -hmm. which really sucks. I mean, I guess this was kind of con- this kind of contention was inevitable when you know people for that long and being with them almost every single day. Things like that happen. Um, I'm hoping that it was nothing too serious, except like you know some some chatter of like you could go solo. You should be. You don't need the group. Like that kind of chatter you can kind of talk through, right? But if it's something that was maybe painful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's going to be tough to get around. I mean, shoot, it, it's tough when you have to work with your friends and then be with them for, like, years and tour with it for years. And you're all, like, 
you have your own dreams and your own hopes for what you want to do for yourself. It's 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 tough to juggle that and yeah. bring your best self forward consistently. So, um, how how are you going through this, young Chris, with your yeah with your groups? It was thing. tough to be a fan for sure. I think so. Nicola has since said, or I forget when she said it, but I think she definitely wanted to continue um, and felt mm. it was weird that they would stop when they're literally at the peak of their career because their popularity mm. was really, really huge. Like they, mm. they kept hitting different milestones, you know? So it was a little strange timing wise, I think, for them to take a break. Obviously, relationship wise, maybe not so oh, much. Because yeah. um, as I mentioned earlier, it was easy to see that they had kind of drifted apart as friends but to mm-hmm. have them speak about it publicly and not have that united front um that yeah. wasn't great as a, as a fan um you mm-hmm. know nadine has always been my favorite member um but mm-hmm. it was disappointing that she seemed to surround herself with those types of people that you just kind of ex- kind of mentioned where they really did just blow up her ego a little bit too much mm-hmm. um so it would actually be interesting to hear her talk about it now that everything has yeah. passed and, and, and she's left those people. Um, but personally, I don't think it's fair to only put the blame on her. Um, I think it was clear that Cheryl was gearing up for a solo career. She was very quick to release Fight for This Love and have a whole album ready before Nadine was. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I think it wasn't just her. I, I think a few of no. them were, you know, getting ready for whatever was coming next. Uh, so yeah, I did tough. support all the solo careers, though, and there are some highlights in there. Um, but obviously, we're not going to talk about that in this episode. We will do that at another time if you're interested. Though we did do a pop-off um, uh-huh. episode that you mentioned earlier. So definitely go check that out where we talk about all their first singles as solo artists. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, it wouldn't be until 2012 that rumblings of a reunion began with Kimberly and Nicola inviting Nadine to dinner to clear the air. And of course, they invited paparazzi to take photos of that. (laughs) And Cheryl (laughs) hinting at some lyrics, some new lyrics. So finally, it was announced that Girls Aloud would reunite for their 10th anniversary with 10, a brand new greatest hits album featuring new tracks with the powerful lead single, Something New, serving as the official Children in Need single released in November 2012. (laughs) Can you imagine? We're doing a charity for the children. Oh, we got one for you. All I want is something like what you're not going to yes. do. Yes, thank God it wasn't a cover. This is true, but yeah. also it's just so funny that this is like the children in need song because it's very yes. much like it's about them. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, let me tell you. Let me tell you, you showed me this uh, all those years ago. Yeah. And it was after you showed me like biology, like sound of the underground. You showed me something else, but then mm-hmm. you jumped right to this. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is after 10 years. Oh, my God. We have to, you have to do the research on your own. But before you go, watch this. <laughs> so, so as he was sending me out the door, you know, I was totally joking. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was interesting because I remember... Uh, being like blown away and I was like why is there a group of Victoria's Secret models singing at me and they're singing at <laughs> singing at me really well uh, because here in America we don't have that we don't have a group of women I mean we had Destiny's Child right but that's it kind of but we don't have we never had like a group of women kind of just 
coming at us like this. Honey, I'm here for the reunion. And it was it was really ballsy and confident to have lyrics like, you know, like, hey, here we are. We're the leaders. You better watch your back. We're, mm-hmm. It wasn't like, I love you, guy. You want, I'm something new. I love you. It's like, no, 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 no. We're back. Mm-hmm. We're here. This is our throne. I was like, oh, shocking. Very shocking. Um, super cool, honestly. And uh, for you, I'm pretty sure this probably would have been like, oh, my gosh. Like, yes. Oh, my gosh. So excited. Because after all that drama, those few years, I was like, oh, "Oh, they're never going to reunite, you know. (laughs) So I'm glad they got it back together. Uh, And something new is perfect. I remember reading kind of later on that Kimberly, I forget who who else it was, but they actually weren't huge fans of it. So I was like, "Mm, Mm. that's wrong. Um, But anyway, (laughs) I agree. Just you could feel the power. You watch that music video. You can feel the unison. You could feel the energy. They know how good they are. Um, and they're more yeah. powerful as a unit, you know? Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I love that. Um, I will say the dance routines, if you could even call it that, for this track <laughs> have always been horrifically annoyingly slow and boring. Like, I am so mad about that. Like, even when I watch it now, I'm just like, what? who chose to do this? Like, they're just, like, posing for a lot of it. And you have this thumping beat behind them. And they're just, like, they're either just, like, doing model walks to the front and then turning around yeah. and doing it to the back. Or they're literally yeah. just, like, posing. Like, why? Uh, um Anyway, uh, that's always annoyed me a little bit, but the track is perfect. Perfect comeback song for sure. (laughs) Um, That's that's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the second single released from 10 was Beautiful Cause You Love Me, a track not written or produced by Xenomania, and it was sourced by Nicola. Nadine has since Mm. stated that she hated the song and that the rest of the group actually wanted it as the lead single from the album. But again, she threatened to not take part if they did that. And she said that she didn't agree with the message of the song, saying that all women should feel beautiful regardless of how anyone else may feel about you. And she Mm. asked to not feature her on any of the lead vocals, only doing the my baby, my baby ad libs that occur a few times, which is just hilarious uh, that she wouldn't even sing the chorus. <laughs> um, so the single peaked at number 97 on the UK singles oh. chart and unfortunately is the group's final single release. Uh, and mm. then in March 2013, Girls Aloud embarked on the 10, the hits tour with a set list that almost went chronologically through their string of hits. Yeah. So... I pretend beautiful never happened. Uh, I think most fans do as well. There are a few people who defend it out there. Um, but gosh, guys, no, no. Um, <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Uh, yeah. but the 10 tour, I did go mm. with two of my mm. middle school friends who were also huge fans. So that was a really great moment for us. Uh, we were right in front of the catwalk for the DVD filming night and it was <laughs> insane. Like I can genuinely say I still have never felt the energy like an energy like that where we're literally the whole crowd was so up there for i think the closest actually is i guess the spice girls in the stadium although that was that was outdoors so it just was different but like this one like it was just it was kind of insane um Mm -hmm. so so yeah i'm very glad i got to go to that um but yeah how about you what do you think of beautiful because you love me (laughs) 
I don't think I have an opinion that's like that's yeah. That's we just pretend it didn't exist, guys. <laughs> just pretend. I don't think I have a healthy opinion about it. Um, yeah, no. I feel like this was one of those like trying to trace trends ballad kind of thing. Um, and Nicola did write it, right? Or she had a hand no, in it. No, she didn't write it. I think she just sourced. She just sourced it. it. Yeah. Ugh. No, she had a hand in something new. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, no. I can understand why she might want to think that's good for the group but the group has not i don't want to say never relied on a guy to give them that kind of thing but not a song like this it was very much like how you go from call the shots to you know to this no so you know it's interesting because i feel like it's almost this is almost proof that some of them don't actually understand the brilliance of girls aloud that's always been something i felt with the girls aloud members themselves because sometimes when they talk about their own music they don't i don't think they actually understand how good it is um So yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, I mean, that but Nadine happens. does. Even like, <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, but the, but that's what I'm saying. It's one of those things where it's just like, I get what she was trying to go with it, but that's just not the direction that fits the group. Mm-mm. That's that's one of those things. I feel like um, it was okay. And uh, as for the tour, I I enjoyed the tour watching it. And I remember when I had mentioned the whole Victoria's Secret thing, you were like, oh. Just wait until they watch the concert. I'm like, what do you mean? You you watched me while we watched it, and then I was like, oh my god! He goes, yeah, yeah, right. They have a section. I was like, oh my god. Um, so yeah, it was it was nice to watch it, and again, watching them get back together, and and you can hear a couple of things. We didn't really get into the personal stuff because usually I kind of like like to dick dive deep and figure out what's going on personally when we do these pop one-on-ones but i try not to because this is very long discography right yeah but it's interesting because you could hear either some vocal growth or vocal deterioration from Mm. certain members um you know sarah was hitting and hit or miss with the vocals at points because of you know uh just lifestyle Mm -hmm. choices and such um you can see nicola gotten more confident like she realized that she is the odd, the quote unquote, odd beauty of the group, right? She is that one or whatever you want to call it. But she was very just like, ugh. She was stunning. She was absolutely stunning. Yes. She felt comfortable. You could feel it, you know? And vocally Kim. as well. She started, yeah, exactly. Nicola started belting. Like, that is one thing yes. I will say about the tour. There was a little bit of over singing. A lot of them were mm. pushing way more than they used to. So when they would mm-hmm. sing together, there was a bit more of a singing over each other kind of situation that didn't used to happen. Uh, so that may be <laughs> right. my one complaint. Vocally, this tour wasn't great. Yeah. 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 I remember we were watching something and you were like, listen they have better <laughs> they sound better in other shows for sure that's exactly what you yeah. said yeah you're like they sound better i'm like no it's I'm, and i kept saying no, no it's fine it's fine it's fine um it wasn't terrible but it was one of those things where it was just like huh that's a little disjointed of you um yeah. but for the most part you could definitely see the growth um and that's when i realized that cheryl could dance i said this girl will hit you hit you with a whole full eight count and forget that she has to sing in the next couple seconds mm-hmm. um and then of course kim i, I look at kim as like a jesse of the group where she might not get like visually the most love but she's a solid girl group member um i don't know if solo she's like wow outstanding but it doesn't mean she's not talented i mean she did west end she did you know simply come dancing she's talented yeah so it's again you could see all of that and it was so cool to see them as a group after how many years and coming back to have it so i mean not a bad end for the girls honestly i will say that and i'm happy that they were able to get together and and do the thing you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying but after the final show of the tour on march 20th 2013 the group announced via a tweet Mm. 
a chirp, a, a little chirp that they had permanently split, which is bananas and pajamas. Uh, and to add to the drama, Nadine tweeted on her personal account the next day that she had nothing to do with the decision and wanted to keep going, which the other members were furious about since it made them look bad to the fans. And it is believed that communication had broken down during the tour, so much to the point where it was basically Kim, Cheryl, and Nicola on one side, and Sarah and Nadine on the other. And Sarah just went with the majority when it was decided earlier on that they would split after the tour uh, which kind of puts Nadine in that bad position of mm. like you're the problem you're the drama again we don't really know what's happening they only they know the conversation that was had but man uh, girl group splits are no fun especially when they're your friends right yeah. so it's like oh that's is this the second one I know you and know? it's like again oh. Nadine just kind of being the outlier there um, yeah. yeah, I definitely had a feeling that we they were going to go back to a hiatus, at least, you know. Um, the tour was clearly a celebration of the past, them doing it chronologically almost, you know, obviously it was all just, it just felt like it was an end, right? But yeah. that tweet was absolutely ridiculous. I cannot believe that's how they yeah. made their announcement. That was just horrible. Yeah. Like, who thought that was a good idea? Like, at least give us a video together or something, yeah. you know? A press um, release, something official. Yeah, I think Little Mix, yeah. <laughs> what they've done recently, just by announcing it before the tour, giving their fans the closure, that is the way yeah. to go about it. Because, yeah, this was this was not it. Um, and actually, um, it's interesting looking back the final night of, of the tour, there is this really awkward yeah. footage of Nicola switching positions with Nadine to embrace the others. Um, and you can kind of feel the awkwardness. Like, Nadine has a really awkward facial expression when it happens. Um, uh, so, that ah, uh, um, So, yeah, I agree with what you said earlier. I'm glad they actually finished the tour. They did it. They, they, they were united on stage, mostly, except for that one moment. Um, but it is really sad that the same thing happened twice, almost, yeah. you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... Uh, with fans of like groups like New Edition or like even like 112 and all these other groups that get back together and like they mess it up. Like even with the Bad Boy tour, I remember like they, uh, a total had gotten back together, but then mm. something else came up and they split up again. So there's a lot of stuff. I totally understand. You're like, yeah, they're back together. And then you're watching footage. It's just like, whoa. Of course, with the drama that happens, they just can't reconcile. Or if they do reconcile, there's always like some underlying, well, I remember when and, and you're still doing what you did before. And it's just like, ugh can't shake that off you know um yeah it's unfortunate you know Mm -hmm. um but since that less than amicable split the members of girls aloud have all ventured off into their own careers ranging from tv gigs musicals acting in much more solo material with all varying degrees of success yes so unfortunately the next reunion would be under very sad circumstances so in august 2020 Sarah announced that she had been diagnosed with breast cancer and that it had advanced to a later stage. And with the release of her autobiography in March 2021, which included excerpts written by Nadine and Cheryl, she revealed that the members of Girls Aloud had actually reunited in secret to reminisce and watch the Off the Record documentary series together. Uh, Sarah passed away on September 5th, 2021, at the age of 39. 
So we did do an episode highlighting just a few of Sarah's many great moments from the music to performances to the fun times. So definitely go check that out if you're interested. And uh, since we did that episode, the remaining members of Girls Aloud have mentioned that Sarah wanted them to put together an event with all proceeds donated to charities working on cancer treatment, which is something that they are currently working on. So with that note, that takes us to the present day. So December 2022 will mark the group's 20th anniversary. You know, I'm curious to see what they do, you know, as time goes by. Sarah's passing did bring them together, but I have known from experience that tragedy doesn't always absolve pain and tension. Um, it just, you know, obviously brings you together for a, for a cause, but mm-hmm. it's not exactly the best kind of glue to adhere yourself to when you're trying yeah. to work and, you know, create. Um, I hope that whatever they're going through is definitely resolved for sure. It'd be nice to kind of see them together so I can selfishly go. Um, That's my own selfish wish. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I wonder what would have happened had she not passed. Um, You know, because right now there's an olive branch. It's like a bridge, Mm -hmm. you know, there now. And I wonder what would have happened if they would have gotten back together, like, on their own kind of terms. Or, you know, just something to say hi to the fans to. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I'm actually really impressed with what they've done. And I think they're a really solid girl group. I really enjoyed them. And they helped me get through my girl group drought of, like, 2020. (laughs) Thank God. Because, boy, Mm -hmm. there was no, no, not even in K-pop was I getting touched, you know? So (laughs) I really appreciate it discography for sure in my life um what do you think is up next for them and how do you feel about them overall yeah i do think there were plans in place or at least talks about a 20th anniversary celebration of some sort obviously those talks ended once sarah um had her news um Mm -hmm. so yeah uh nadine actually has been out with Nicola and they've all mentioned continuing Mm. their friendships uh, since Sarah's passing as well. So I agree. I hope they were able to uh, uh, reunite in terms of their, just their friendships. Um, Mm -hmm, Right. First and foremost, I think if they really do perform again, uh, that needs to be very solid. Uh, And I think it would be difficult. Sarah was very important vocally uh, mm-hmm. and on stage in general, I think. Uh, so mm-hmm. it would be very strange, I think, to see them together. Um, and yeah. I think it's still a little too soon to think about it, but, but oh, I guess yeah. we'll see. Um, but for the 20th anniversary, you know, I mentioned Wicked Game earlier, and we know there's a ton of different versions of songs, different verses that were recorded that, that didn't make mm-hmm. it into the final versions of songs. So I'm hoping we do get some cool deluxe versions or, uh, I don't know, just some unreleased gems that that we get to hear. Um, Even just reissues of the album just to kind of celebrate everything and Mm -hmm. just kind of bring them back to the forefront of the public eye. Um, You know, they deserve the attention, I think, um, because they really are very iconic, I think, in the UK. And and I think the rest Mm -hmm. of the world deserves to learn more about them, especially the current K-pop fans. I think, I think oh they God. are a very clear inspiration yeah. um, mm-hmm. for what the K-pop sound is now. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, they're still one of my favorite pop acts of all time. And, and I will continue to support them depending on what they do. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad we got to talk about them today. But before we end the episode, we have to each choose 
a B side to recommend to our listeners. So, what is your choice? <laughs> well, if you are a new listener and you have no clue where to start,、uh, and you beyond the singles, I would recommend on the Metro. And although it's not a Zinnamania track, it is so much fun, and it encompasses my favorite thing to do or and say. Crying in the club, I always say, "Oh, crying in the club, crying in the、mm. club." It's sad, but it also makes you want to shake your boobs, shake your boobs,、uh, shake your booty. <laughs>、um, so it's fun.、Um, I was going to recommend something a lot older, but I feel like this one is just right. That's、yeah. right, because it is pretty old, but it also is what was happening and hot in the you know 2010s, early 2010s. Yes, so I enjoyed it. Yes, and it really is the single that never was. Like, how was this not、yeah. released over "Beautiful Cause You Love Me"? Like, come on now.、Um, anyway, yeah,、um, I will choose、true. another song that was also a single that never was. "Graffiti My Soul."、Uh, I just love this song. I think the production is fantastic, super gritty. Every hook is full of sass, and there are clever lyrics.、Mm. There's belting, there's rapping, there's stuttering.、Um, just、mm-hmm. a super dynamic song, and it just always stands out to me when I listen through their discography. And on top of that, it was actually originally written for Britney Spears and submitted、mm-hmm. for the In the Zone album. And Cheryl did say it was Britney singing on the demo that they heard. So fans have been dying to hear this as well.、Um, <laughs> I doubt we'll ever get it.、Uh, yeah. But、uh, yeah, this one's definitely up there for me. With that being said, class is dismissed. Leave us some comments and hit us up on our social media accounts at CCTV Pops and let us know what you think of Girls Aloud and who else you'd like us to feature in this 101 series. You can also join us on Patreon at patreon.com/cctvpops because we'd love to get to know you. And you get to know us, and you can also help us decide our next episode topics. So please give us a like, subscribe to our channel, and hit that notification bell. For our listeners, give us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. Until next time, that's Chris. That's Shan, and we are CCTV. CCTV.